Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 82. We are officially on the cusp of free agency. We are in the legal tampering period. By the time you're listening to this, free agency will probably have officially begun. Um, but we're going to talk about some of the latest signings and the most prominent ones. There's a ton. If you want to see all of our analysis on those and just a, a general tracker on what's going on in free agency, you can check us out at weeklysprawl.com. But on this podcast, we're going to dive into some specific ones that we think are significant, um, concerning potentially. I know Casey has some thoughts on some uh, some signings here. That that we'll dive into um, <laughs> pertaining to his Packers, and uh, probably will have a little rant for us. I'm excited for that. But before we uh, dive into all that, I want to introduce my co-hosts. I got Casey Sully, as I just mentioned, and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing. It's it's F5 season. You just go on NFL.com or Reddit, and you press Refresh. F5 over yeah. and over again, and you see what, what news pops up. So there's a, there's a lot of moving and a shaking. The, I think Bill Belichick got very tired of losing <laughs> instantaneously and has now uh, you know spent the GDP of some small island nation to uh, come get some some players. So maybe the, maybe the Patriots are back, guys. Who knows? They spent like two, $230 million or something on the first day, I saw, they, I think. They spent, a, they spent the second most money in a free agency period ever so far and they're in still one like one, one and a half days after one and half days. Henry, but yeah it's like insane it's we'll, we'll talk about him later i'm sure um see i'm a guy our twitter weekly spiral we follow some interesting characters and we somehow follow a lot of random parody accounts so i keep mm. getting duped by the same guy <laughs> over and over again who has like 200 followers but he pretends to be my sports update and like three times already i've been like oh my god no this happened and i look at his profile and it's fake so, He's baiting you. Uh, he, uh, and it works. It works too well. All right. Well, let's talk about some real free agent signings instead of the fake ones that Durgan keeps falling for <laughs> repeatedly. Um, you could almost say it's catastrophic. Uh, let's <laughs> <is> catastrophic. <laughs> uh, all right. So first, I mean, there's a ton here. I don't know how you guys want to go through these. There's there's a lot. Um, I mean, we might as well start with the Patriots since we we did a little little warm up for them. All right. Let's do that. Run us through, run us through that, Durgan. What, what yes. have the Patriots blown their wad on so far? Besides, I mean, I mean, they've literally signed everybody, but some of the big names they've signed are uh, tight ends Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. So they got a top two tight ends on the market. Uh, they signed Matthew Judon from the uh, Ravens. Uh, signed Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar, your boy Cyrus, and uh, Kendrick Bourne. They signed uh, I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. There's Davon Jutterroof. He's like the nose tackle from the Dolphins. Totally butchered his name, but he's a good player. So essentially, they're just saying, we're tired of going 7-9. We're going to get some good players, and we're going to draft the quarterback this year. And we said, I said earlier, Bill Belichick has spent the second most money ever in free agency in one and a half days, which is the most like unpatriots type move ever. Usually they're very, you know, we're going to let our guys leave and then draft well. So this is kind of a new way of thinking for the team but I, I Bill Belichick realizes that he's old and he doesn't have time to draft and develop guys he needs some you know guys who might not be you know, all pro type players but he needs starters to come in and make an impact and then I think eventually he'll try to make a big move to acquire a star at some point this offseason yeah they're uh they're making some some big some big moves for sure and kind of interesting for for them they drafted two tight ends in the third round i think last year and then here they are spending big money on two more tight ends so 
Uh, I don't know if they're just going to run some four tight end sets here or what the plan is, but I wouldn't put it pack Bill Belichick. That would probably, you know, tickle his fancy to throw it back and just do like single single wing right, sweep right, the old Packers sweep, and just uh, let Cam Newton run the ball because that seems like what he was best at last year. And uh, I think nothing would make him more happy than to just convert the New England Patriots into uh, – the army college team and uh just run the triple option and, and stuff like that so uh you know they finally got some we've, we've talked about the patriots and their lack of skill weapons for a long time and that there's just nothing there well they got stuff now so uh they all of a sudden are are you know making some noise and obviously don't don't they were seven and nine without weapons last year so d- don't rule them out of the afc east too fast here and uh you know, uh, Kendrick Bourne has has been a little bit up and down. Durgan can speak to him a little bit if if he wants to. Uh, mostly down. Yeah, mostly down. But there's some potential there. I know within the building uh, for a couple of years, 49ers fans were were pretty excited about him, and he he showed a couple flashes, especially yeah. in the red zone for uh, I think in 2019. Um, had, had a few red zone streaks where he was uh, a big baller down there, but. You know the Patriots are going to be a little bit more fun to watch, and it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. Now uh, it, they're kind of in a tough spot as far as their their pick in the draft, um, sort of not high enough to get one of the top tier guys like Lawrence or Fields or Wilson. So the question is, do you you know sort of mortgage the farm and try to get one of those guys and move up, or you know if you don't do you like trey lance enough do you like mac jones enough to sort of sit pat uh i i don't know what the plan there is but uh it'll be it'll be and that's sort of the last piece they they now they're getting people back from that opted out for for covid so the, the patriots are tentatively back and and ready to make some noise tentatively being the key there and I agree with you on the draft position I don't know that they're in the best spot I think honestly they're probably if they take a quarterback their strategy really just has to be sit back and see which one of the top four or five guys fall um and it's I mean I don't know Trey Lance just had a really good pro day from a lot of different outlets saying that you know his arm strength is kind of unmatched so you could see him him start to rise and be in that even top 10 conversation potentially which I think might be a little overdrafting but in general, I don't know that they're in the best position for a quarterback, and I think they know that too, which is why they did re-sign Cam Newton um, to, I think it was a one-year deal, 13 mil with incentives, yep. but I don't know. None of these players, like I look at them, none of them to me scream like really impactful players. Probably Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith are the most impactful, um, but at the same time, I mean... We haven't seen it in a prolonged extended period from Johnu Smith, and then Hunter Henry's had injury concerns. So there's some risk, and in general, I, I'm I'm very I want to place that that emphasis on tentatively, like you said, Casey, tentatively back because they may also not be. Kendrick Bourne to me is a non-factor. I think I mean he's okay, but. It, I don't know. I, I'm not sure it's really an upgrade. Nelson Aguilar, he always has flashes. Uh, he's very streaky i mean he's polarizing right he has really interesting cool plays and then he'll drop a touchdown to get you into the playoffs so i I don't know man i'm not sold on any of these signings really i don't know that i mean even the cam newton signing i feel like they're it, it this feels like a forced retooling more so than the organization rebuilding and that kind of goes back to what durgan mentioned where 
maybe um, Belichick is realizing he doesn't have much time left and he wants to just do whatever he can to have a few good, few more good seasons. But this isn't, a, I mean, this is a fringe playoff contending team with the, with these additions, just like they were last year, I think. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. One quick point I have about the quarterbacks Casey mentioned, uh, Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a lot like Cam Newton, who they currently have. Not an accurate passer, but you know, in his prime, big arm, can run, a big-bodied guy so he can take hits too. But on the flip side, you have Mac Jones, who I think is a lot like Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, safe route. And we know Bill Belichick loves Jimmy G. So is he going to go with the guy who's more like the quarterback he currently has in Cam Newton, or will he like the guy who he used to have in Jimmy G? It'll be interesting yeah. to see it. I, th- I think they'll need to move up for sure. And they have they have the picks to you know move up you know, four or five spots. So I think one of those two guys will be in New England next year. Trey Lance, to me, Trey Lance reminds me a little bit of Josh Allen, yep, especially coming out. Yep. Um, but so will he raw. become what Josh Allen has become? There's no way to know that for sure because, I mean, Josh Allen was polarizing as well when he was picked, and clearly yeah. he's proven the haters wrong to a degree. We'll see if he regresses to the mean. I don't know. Casey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who, what haters are you referring to specifically? It's been uh, one like season. Relax. <laughs> one season. We'll see. There's a lot still, a lot of still unanswered questions here with Josh Allen, so don't, don't get on me about that. But Trey Lance, a lot of potential. Will yeah. he reach it? I mean, the, the Patriots might be the right organization for him to do that. So we'll yeah, see with that. It, it, it really depends. Uh, as a quick plug, Mac Jones article coming out this this week. So keep your eye out for that if you uh, want to see, you know, what his prospects may be at the at the next level. Um, but you know, I, I think Cyrus is a little bit more pessimistic about the the Patriots. I said, I will see. But I wasn't that tentative with the we'll see of like this. This team is very clearly a lot better yeah. than last year. I don't know sure. about this like barely upgrade Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith. They had Nikhil Harry. You know what I mean? Kendrick Bourne is better than Nikhil Harry. So uh, you add Aguilar in there. You have some people that can actually run routes and you uh, catch ball, catch pass. Sometimes catch passes in Aguilar's uh, case. But I, I don't know how you can look at this team and say, like, they're barely the same or, you know, marginally okay, better. L- let me clarify then. I'm not necessarily saying, obviously, they're better, right? You don't spend $200 million and not get better. That's just how, that's just, that's just the way it is. But are they better for what they spent? I don't know that they are. That's a lot of money for players that I don't know are going to get you where you want to go as Bill Belichick, in my opinion. Like, I look across the board at all these signings. And none of them stand out as home runs to me. But it's those moves will get them in the playoffs, I think. And when you need the best coach, maybe of all time, in the playoffs, you got a chance. Yeah, maybe when court- you had Tom Brady. I don't know about well, now. It, it comes down to quarterback play. But once you get in the playoffs, nobody wants to see Belichick. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care if you have Nick Mullins back there throwing passes. Nobody wants to see Bill Belichick in the playoffs. I mean, look, they were 7-9 last year. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks by five points. They lost to the Denver Broncos by six points. Uh, They lost to the Buffalo Bills by three points. Uh, Let's see. They lost to the Houston Texans by seven points. Um, Scrolling through here on their schedule. That's four or five games that they they lost within one score. And all these additions, I think, makes – a difference at least in a couple of those if you're nine and seven all right ten and six now you're you're right in that wild card race along with the the dolphins and the and the, the raiders were last year so so i you know 
I uh, am still will seeing, but I'm not as as hesitant will seeing as as Cyrus. So, listen. <laughs> okay, they're better. There's just like I said, they're better. I just wouldn't be excited if I was a if I was a Pats fan. I'm how not would you not be? How would you not be excited? You are out of your mind. You're just you're so pessimistic about the Eagles and their number six pick, and you're you're all sad for everybody now. I don't. I'm not I don't know pessimistic why. about that. Sad boy I'm summer. excited about after watching sad your Jamar Chase summer. video. After watching your video, I'm excited, dude. Well, he may be headed your way, so uh, you know. And uh, you know what? You really shouldn't be that excited though, because he's not that much better than jalen rager so i don't know why you would be excited Ooh, that's about that, false but, and you know that that's uh, false he's I'm just flipping i'm just jalen flipping rager. your logic on you so i, I you know we just we, we'll we'll agree to disagree we can move on to some other free agent signings like uh the packers aaron fantastic jones. signing of aaron jones yeah Ooh. is that sarcasm or are you are you excited super excited I, to have him back you know he's a very clearly he makes the packers better i will say that he's, he's a dynamic player he's effective in the pass game uh he has home run speed uh he's gotten better every year he's been there uh, the locker room loves him and that's all fantastic and great and i think his his contract is a little bit more uh palatable if you you sort of look at the numbers and what's what the deal is and that sort of averages out to 9.5 uh, million dollars a year versus the 12 uh flat fee that you sort of saw uh, matriculated around um, when he was first signed so it's four years 48 million but um, about three million of that every year is in incentives so uh, only 13 million of that is guaranteed so it's a little bit uh, better uh, look for the Packers when you know you're not paying a guy a running back 12 million dollars a year which I would strongly disagree with um, that being said I we talked about it last last week or and in the past I don't really believe in, in signing running backs, especially for any legitimate amount of money, especially when you drafted a guy in the second round last year. Um, you know, they just tend to not hold up. The wear and tear gets them hit fast, and, you know, they, they start to, to break down. Now, he generally has had less carries than the average guy because he split carries with Jamal Williams a lot. He wasn't used very often with Mike McCarthy. Now you have A.J. Dillon there too. So if A.J. Dillon's eaten into those carries and he's getting 200 or so carries a year, you know, that sort of reduces the wear on Aaron Jones and maybe he can be impactful longer and for the duration of that contract. So, um, you know, I don't hate it as much as I initially did, but I also don't love it. I would have rather invested that money in a corner or um, signing an offensive lineman, maybe keeping Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley went for quite a pretty penny to the Chargers, so I don't know if I would have paid that. But, um, you know, there are some other holes that we could patch, especially on defense, which I think might have been more impactful than keeping Aaron Jones. You nailed it right at the end. It's not so much, I mean, it is partially paying running back a lot of money, but the contract isn't as bad as we originally thought it was. It's just poor roster management. Last year, you drafted uh, A.J. Dillon in the second round, who, in his limited time, looked fine. Uh, so mm-hmm. why are you drafting a running back in the second round if you're going to pay a guy $9 million or $12 million, whatever, ended up being an Aaron Jones, who's not a bad player. I mean, you think he's the second-best running back in the league. Hey, that we, was we all know that. <laughs> it's 2019. He's border top five. Okay. He, he, he's, he's a solid, solid running back, but I'm not paying that much money if you have that running back. But if you did pay him, then why didn't you draft a receiver or a corner last year? Now their hands are kind of tied. 
They have a huge need at the second corner spot. Uh, Lazard is a good number two receiver. I don't think, you know, on a championship yeah. team he necessarily is. I'd rather have him as my third or like a you know, 2A, 2B type scenario at, uh, receiver yeah. where you have a really good third option. Or even a tight end. I run two more two tight end sets, three tight end sets, uh, some disguising. So it's not so much that you know, Aaron Jones is the problem, is the Packers not maximizing Aaron Rodgers' window, uh, their championship window right now. Uh, maybe this move means, hey, when when we get um, you know Jordan Love in there as starting quarterback, we're going to run the ball a lot more. So we're going to more need on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to have more carries. I don't know, but it seems a very uh, interesting move given – the roger scenario yeah and i think before cyrus gives his thought there I, th- I think there is some credence to look this guy was homegrown he was drafted he balled out played very very well and rewarding that guy a high character guy that's very involved in the community and is a big piece of the locker room aaron Rodgers loves him matt lafleur loves him uh, rewarding that guy means something and says something to the rest of the league and to your own locker room if, if a guy balls out and plays really well, that basically says, if you don't sign him, that no matter how good you do, no matter how impactful you are in the community, how invested you are in this, t- in this team, in this town, it doesn't matter. We're not going to give you a second contract if you're a position that we don't value very much. And, you know, I think people see that and they realize that and you start to get... Uh, you know, players that are maybe chasing stats and are just really concerned about, you know, pumping that stuff up so that they can build their their free agency market. And you get less sort of investment internally if you're if you're showing to guys that you're not willing to, to sign them if they play well and, and keep them around. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's also, I mean, it's a business, right? It is. Like, they, they shouldn't be taking this kind of stuff personally. That being said, I don't hate the signing. You know, I think Aaron Jones is an impact player for this team, and I think he impacts the game more than any other running back on the team does, or probably more than any other running back you'd be able to replace him with. So I don't hate it. I think his contract is in line with pretty much his value. I think if this makes him the seventh highest paid running back in the league, and you look at some of the other players up on that list, I mean, he's going to make less than Joe Mixon, for instance, but I think he's he's more valuable to the Packers than, than Joe Mixon is to the Bengals. Um, but then you got like Derrick Henry, Zeke got paid way more. And I, I would I'd probably take Aaron Jones over Zeke at this point. Um, there we go. So, I, no, I mean, I'm just <laughs> saying like, as far as the contract goes, I don't, I don't hate it. I just think it's, con- it's the co- context really for the Packers specifically. This, in my opinion, all this does is really place that much more emphasis on needing to nail the draft. You need to you need to fill some holes now because you're not going to be able to do it in free agency when you when you signed Aaron Jones, right? So if you have a good draft, if Aaron Jones comes back has a good season, Packers go on to make the NFC uh, championship and lose again. Whatever winning cures all. Thanks so it's all the, it, it, all the goodwill you had built up. <laughs> Gone. I'm joking, but you know, in general, I'm just saying, like, if the, if the season goes well, and uh, if you see similar performance to last season, you know, nobody's gonna remember yeah. this as being any any sort of issue. But I do think this places uh, importance on nailing the draft a little bit more than last year. Um, and I like AJ Dillon too. I think he, you know, he will have a sneaky good season. I think you'll see a multi back approach. Um, and AJ Dillon's going to get a little bit more carries this season, but he doesn't do what Aaron Jones does. He's not the pass catcher Aaron Jones is. Um, so I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. 
that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at with it. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know if there's any other wiggle room. Like, do the Packers have any other any ability to sign any free agents, or is this sort of it? Uh, the last card they have is to restructure Aaron Rodgers. Um, mm, okay, so I, I I would imagine he sort of said so they don't need his permission to convert some of his money into uh, roster bonus and stuff like that and spread it out. Um, but when you're a veteran, you sort of you know they ask you and say, "Hey, are you cool with this?" And you say yes or no. And I I imagine he said, um, "You guys figure out how to get under the cap, and then after free agency starts, if you organize a deal with somebody." then you can restructure me. But don't restructure me just to get under the cap. I want you to restructure me to get me another and, weapon. And use that money in, yeah. a, in yes. a way that exactly. makes sense. Yeah. So I, I would guess if they're going to make a play for one other guy, like a Will Fuller or get Richard Sherman to, to patch up that, that second corner spot, I would guess that's probably what they would they would do if they were going to make a move. And that's what they should do, in my opinion, if you want to, you know, like Durkin said, maximize this. I don't know three three years. How long do you think Aaron Rodgers has in the tank, Casey? Um, based on his contract right now, it's one. Um, but if then, they restructure, right? I mean, if they restructure, it'll keep him around for at least two. But then you're yeah. in a tough but, spot with Jordan Love. What do you do with him? Because yep. he's not going to play for basically the duration of his rookie contract. And you know, I think there's a sunk cost fallacy stuff there. You spent the pick, so you have a legit you know backup quarterback if you want to sign him he might be relatively cheap if he wants to stay around at the end of that i don't know but um you know just because you spent the pick doesn't mean you need to use the pick yep yep absolutely um speaking of quarterbacks and contracts let's talk about i don't even know if you can call this guy a quarterback probably should now with the money he's making but Taysom hill 140 million dollars Tell me why this isn't it's, a bad thing, though. It's the weirdest contract I think I've ever seen. Explain in it for the listeners. Sport. So it was reworked to make it a four years, four hundred, one hundred forty million dollar extension. But he's not getting any new money, and he can be a, the deal can be voided after every season, and they owe him nothing. So the coming into this week, the Saints were like a literally almost a hundred million dollars over the cap. So they had to do a lot of reworking, a lot of retooling, and this is one of them. And then they go on, in addition to Taysom Hill, they re-signed our boy uh, Jason, 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 Jameis <laughs> Winston to a one-year $12 million deal, and now they're saying that he's going to be the starter. So you have this guy in Taysom Hill who, make no mistake about it, everyone knows, I do not think he's quarterback. But you have a four-year $140 million like, a contract attached to his name. Which just looks terrible. So I don't really know what they're going to do. Uh, they're, I think, going to be in for a little, uh, little retooling period in uh, the Big Easy. That's quarterback money, though. So I mean, it is. Had, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but it doesn't uh, prohibit them from getting rid of him, which I think is the important part there. So they just essentially, you know, extended his contract so that they could spread that cap that he's guaranteed the guaranteed money can be spread over more years now so that helps reduce the cap number for this year i think doing this contract reduced their cap hit this year for his contract by like seven and a half million so really that's why they did it and if they decide to keep him around then he gets paid and if they don't you know there's no guaranteed money there that they you know wouldn't have otherwise already be paying so uh 
you know, be a nice little quarterback quarterback competition with with Jameis and Taysom. Oh and, gosh. Uh, you know, I or think if Taysom can just not throw interceptions, that might <laughs> win him the job. As Durgan uh, said, Jason, maybe that's a Jason. new thing. We start yeah. that. Jason Wildcat with Jameis and Taysom on the on the field at the same time. Now the Jason, must watch, the Jason that's, package. That, that's must Love watch it. TV right there. <laughs> it, it is. I would but when you're in any games, but I'll be I'll be watching that. Yeah, for sure. But like we've said about the Saints a, a number of times, they're very top heavy. They have some elite guys at the the top positions, running back and receiver, uh, even at corner with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, but outside of that, they don't really have a lot. They don't have very many secondary or tertiary guys. So like we saw this year when when Michael Thomas goes down, the, the pass game can struggle. Uh, we've seen in years past where Alvin Kamara gets hurt and they struggle a little bit. So um you know they need to hit on some some draft picks as well because uh, they're they're very top heavy and and now they have a, a quarterback question as well. Yeah, I mean with Drew Brees retiring officially, we, we we've kind of known that for a while now. But there's going to be an interesting storyline to follow with the Saints. I mean, will they be the same sort of juggernaut that we've seen for the past decade plus? I don't know. And I I mean we saw Taysom Hill perform to a degree, but. I'm not sold that he's the long-term answer, and I think we've seen enough from Jameis Winston to know that he's definitely not the long-term answer. Um, so that will be a fun storyline to follow for sure. Let's talk about another signing here, though. We have a premier pass rusher re-signing uh, Shaq Barrett, four years, 72 mil with Tampa. What do we think here? Yeah, it's dumb. I don't want the, the Buccaneers to continue to win. I'm, mm. I'm over it already. One year was enough, and... Uh, uh, you know, good for him. He made his money. He earned it. He he performed two years in a row. But uh, I am frustrated that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers basically have all their guys returning after yep. winning a Super Bowl. So, <laughs> although the Chiefs did too, we we were you yeah. know singing the Chiefs praises, saying like, oh, they only lost two two guys from the Super Bowl staff and players included, and uh, you know they injuries at the wrong time and will will bite you every time. So yeah, just shows how hard it is to get there. I mean, in general, doesn't matter sure. what your roster but, is and who's coming back. But then the Chiefs also signed Joe Thune, who's one of the best guards in the league. So they're gonna be good again. But they cut both their tackles. True, true. So who knows? But, they they've but got but the, line issues. Otherwise, they're fine. Yeah, luckily they have this guy Patrick Mahomes who can uh, remedy some of those issues by himself. Yeah, but now you got the Patrick Mahomes uh, contract to combat yeah. with. So welcome to well, the rest of the league that has a legit NFL quarterback that's not on their rookie rookie deal. It yeah. makes things a little tougher. Well, they, they restructured part of his deal, and I'm like, how can you restructure like $400 million? Like, no matter what, you're screwed. No matter what, he's getting a crap ton of money every year. So yeah, kick the giant can down the road a little bit and yeah. figure it out later. But that's we're talking about Shaq Barrett here let's get back on topic what do we what do we think about Shaq Barrett returning to Tampa besides Casey being extremely salty that Tampa's probably still going to be good this is a uh, no more Brady voodoo bullshit magic where he takes a pay cut because he can because his wife makes a shit ton of money uh so he doesn't need a huge contract and then they re-sign all the guys and they come back and they win it, put it this way Tom Brady would not have seven Super Bowls if he wasn't married to Giselle Buchan. Fact. Put it in put it in a Sharpie. It's truth. No one talks about it because no one knows things like I do. I, I see things. I have a third eye. His wife has a net worth of four hundred million dollars. So he can just win all he wants and then make money off the field and then reassign all these guys and win. 
hate it. it just goes to show you behind every good man is a great woman that's true so. or, a rich, or a rich woman in this case those, those are cool too but uh <laughs> you know she earned her way up and 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 got her money and you know has chosen to support him and he's got the tb12 he's selling you know whatever that weird stuff he wasn't selling the concussion water but he was all about that like holistic trainer guy that was, was yes yeah, sketchy as fuck yeah was a little sketchy so uh you know make the money how you can make it i guess but um yeah it's is uh frustrating and uh you know, I'd, if Aaron did that, that'd be cool. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be okay with it. You know, hey, he, it's not my money I'm giving up. So he's he's engaged to an actress now. I assume she's rich. So uh, hey, yeah, who knows? I don't think she's Giselle she's not, rich. She's though. not Giselle rich though. Yeah. No. Well, anyways, when it comes to Shaq Barrett, I think this is a <laughs> phenomenal re-signing by by the uh, Bucks. He had a great season again, and I think he was a big reason why they did well in the playoffs you saw him and jpp kind of dominate on that defensive line and put a lot of pressure um on the teams they face so i, I like the signing a lot i think shaq barrett i mean he's shaq barrett said this was the highest offer that he got i think he probably could have got more i don't know yeah. i'm not sure um that that's true that that's the highest offer he got maybe he just wanted to come back and actually compete but still make a lot of money so either way good signing i like it um what else we got what what other signing we got we got Yannick Ngakwe going to the Ra- Raiders. Mm. Premier destination. Yes. Let's talk let's talk about that real quick. It's a great signing because I think it's relatively cheap for a young player and they also need defense. But there's new rumors circling around at this moment that the Raiders have a little bit of a cash issue. Not a salary cap issue, but a cash issue. Because they cut Rodney Hudson, which actually hurts their cap. By him leaving rather than him staying. And supposedly it's because they don't got any money. That's what happens when you build a bazillion dollar stadium and don't have any fans first year. Also have Davis as your owner who has no money himself. So I don't know what's going on in Vegas. Some, something's up. Cause they released, they've moved on from four to five start offensive linemen from last year. And John Gruden loves offensive linemen and wants to build through trenches. So something's going on there. Yeah, well, good thing they're building on the other trench because they need uh, another pass rusher aside from Max Crosby to to sort of get home. Uh, I mean, they need help sort of across the the defensive backfield as well. But, um, you know, that offensive line was was very good two years ago. They were a little beat up this last year, um, and now almost all of them are gone. So uh, it's definitely going to be a different look from the Raiders this year. It, It may be a little bit more of a struggle to to get the run game going and protect Derek Carr. And I think both of those things are really important to both, you know, the Raiders success and to the identity of what John Gruden wants to establish. So um, maybe they'll uh, just start dumping resources into the defense and, and hope that uh, they, they can, they can be a little bit mean instead of a little bit nice to offenses and just sort of letting them score whenever they want to. That's ideal. I think for all teams generally you want that generally for your defense. Yeah. probably yeah <laughs> probably you want that um I, I like the signing though i think yannick Ngakwe is is a good player so 
two years, $26 million. It's not a long-term commitment for either side. I think he'll get another contract. He, if he balls out in Vegas, he could kind of pick where he wants to go and get a lot of money. So I like this for both sides. He had some drama with the Jags, but who wouldn't with that shit show over there? So um, good signing. Good signing for sure. We talked about all the New England ones. We have a bunch here. Um, I think that kind of co- – oh, we got, we got Bud Dupree to the Titans as well. That just happened. Um, but there's so many coming. We're going we're gonna to keep track of all these on our website, weeklyspot.com. And then mm-hmm. next episode, we'll probably do a recap of everything, our winners yep. and losers of, of free agency, what we think of, of the uh, of the contracts, surprises, um, good values, whatever, whatever we end up seeing. We will talk about it on the next episode. But let's talk about Bud Dupree, and then we'll move on to our next segment here. What do we think about Bud Dupree? Yeah, he's coming off an injury, but uh, very impactful player when when he's healthy. And uh, you know the the Titans need a lot of help because they are hemorrhaging players left and right now on on offense and defense and coordinators. Um, so they need to fill some of those gaps. And you know, but Dupree brings brings speed and and good coverage ability to to that defense. And and the defense was really kind of the weak point of that team last year. So I I, I think they may have pay, overpaid a little bit, but it was kind of a necessary signing as well. Yeah, they tried to fix off their pass rush issue last year with Jadavion Clowney. Obviously, didn't work because he's a bum. So Bud Dupree, like you said, he's injured. Uh, if he is good to go by, let's say, even week four or five. I hope provide a huge boost for this pass rush. I agree, a little bit overpaid, but they needed somebody. They needed somebody on that defensive line uh, to make an impact. And Cyrus, you mentioned about how we're going to get more free agency signings next few days. We're going to see a lot more trades as well because trades can't be official until Wednesday the 17th, which is when this comes out. So we haven't seen many trades besides the two big ones. Uh, early with Stafford and Wentz. So the next few days, we'll see a lot of moving and shaking. Even your boy, uh, Zach Ertz, will yep. be on the move probably in the next few days. Although the re- latest reporters are not really in a rush, but who knows, man. Smoke and mirrors everywhere. It's True. it's you know it's all posturing, so we'll see. But that would be unfortunate just to see him go. But at the same time, he's getting paid a lot of money, and Dallas Goddard is top tier, right, Casey? He is. He is legit. He's going to be, uh, you know, just like I, I'm, I'm nailing my top five positional groups in five years. Uh, oh, God. I don't know be, if this is a good sign or a bad he's sign. He's going to be one. <laughs> top five tight end in five years, <laughs> Dallas Goddard. All right. I mean, hey, I'd argue maybe he's top five right now. Fringe? Yeah. Uh, borderline, top ten. Kelsey, Waller, Kittle. And then I think he might be able to, yeah, start arguing. Throw yeah. in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith maybe and. Yeah, there's a, definitely a big drop off from that others. top tier. But yeah. um, you guys have any final thoughts on the signings we have so far in this legal tampering period? Which, by the way, is just weird and also sort of an oxymoron. But um, do you guys have any thoughts legal, on this? Legal tampering, like you said, is the biggest joke. It's the players can't talk to the teams, but the agents can. So how is it possible that that though, thirty minutes after it opens, people are already agreeing to deals? Like, come on. Deals do not come along that fast. Like, Everybody NFL knows. Things, exactly, and, and, yeah. And, and, and NFL things that were stupid. Like, oh, we all know what's going on. Like, they're, they're following the rules. Like, come on. Like, these teams have been talking for months about making deals. So they just need to say, all right, screw it. Open up free agency all at once. Don't, don't do this legal tampering. Just go for it head first and let the drama unfold all at once. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'm on board let the bloodbath begin i I don't i don't mind that at all when i'm commissioner in 20 years it'll happen so cool welcome in advance 
Commissioner Durgan. We'll make sure to show Anarchy. up to the draft and, and boo you when you announce the pick. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll, I'm ready for tradition it. alive. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be it'll be a catastrophe, but I'll love it. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to our next segment here let's talk about what we think were the most impactful free agent signings in the history of the nfl um we'll each kind of touch on one and why we think it was and uh give our takes on that casey we'll start with you yeah mine's got a little home cooking in it but it was also really the origin of free agency and that was reggie white um, so historically, uh, free agency wasn't even really a thing. And if your contract was up, you were just sort of locked in with that team. You didn't go anywhere else. Um, and Reggie White filed a, uh, a lawsuit against the league that allowed for true free agency to, to begin. Um, so that's sort of brought us free agency as we, we know it and understand it now. And, you know, Green Bay was not a popular destination at that time when free agency first started in 93. Um, and Reggie White was like the premier guy and he chose to go to Green Bay. He told him everyone that, that God told him to go to Green Bay. And that's where his work needed to be done. So thank you, God, for sending me Reggie White and sending the Packers Reggie White. Um, because Green Bay was, was terrible in the 70s and 80s they were like buffalo and cleveland now like they could not string together seasons of more than four wins for you know multiple years at a time so uh they had just sort of gotten brett Favre into that uh that team in in 92 and then reggie white came along and three years later they they won the super bowl together so um one of the most impactful players i think in in green bay history and really got free agency sort of kicked off and started um so for me he's probably the most impactful free agent signing in in the nfl and uh just as a fun fact he signed a four-year deal for 17 million dollars Oof! yeah what now bargain. you can make that in uh about half what? a year yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> or if you're patrick mahomes like in like one sitting so yeah you just start a game and you earn that <laughs> That's I mean, crazy. Reggie White is probably one of the best defenders ever, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, I think, at least uh, up there. Edge edge guys, yeah, pass yeah. rushers. So, I mean, I agree. Uh, one quick nugget I want to point out. Uh, new free agency signing, breaking on the pod, Andy Dalton to the Bears for a one-year $10 million. Huh. So, good luck go from Trubisky to Andy Dalton. What an upgrade. The Bears, they just love their <laughs> mediocre quarterbacks, man. They do. They've got a thing for them. That's that's yeah, interesting just... one. Okay, um, back to most important features ever. Give me Drew Brees, which is uh, appropriate since he officially retired, which is the worst kept secret of all, of all time. But he officially retired. Uh, 2006 it happened when he came from the Chargers uh, to the Saints. Uh, Casey pointed out, I thought it was elbow injury. It was a labrum injury. So thank you, Casey, for pointing that out in our Google Docs. It's a very, ser- a very serious injury. A uh, lot of teams were turned away uh, from by him because of that. The Dolphins included, and Nick Saban, they uh, they were all agreed upon, and then he didn't pass their physical, so he ended up in New Orleans, who was coming up on the worst seasons in their history, and also one of the worst natural disasters in like the history of mankind, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, so that was kind of a, he was more than just a football player for them. We talked about him when we retired how much of an impact he made off the field. And he really uh, brought that city from the depths of hell uh, and brought him to the top in a few years. Went from 3-13 and 13 to 10-6 and in one year. A few years later, they win the Super Bowl. 
and how we see the Browns now, besides this past year, but a losing always losing franchise, that was the Saints before Drew Brees got there. Like they were a joke for a large portion of their uh, franchise history. He helped turn that around, uh, him and Sean Payton both. And he's obviously a Hall of Famer, but if you look at the impact he made on a single franchise, you could think you could say that he's one up there as the most impactful players. I mean, it's him, Tom Brady. I can't think of anybody else more impactful than Tom Brady, personally, because he's won all their Super Bowls for them. Besides him, I think he might be the most impactful player in NFL history. I don't know about that. You not, can not, say that about almost any quarterback. You can say well, that about Peyton Manning when, with the Colts. You can say that there. about Brett Favre with the Packers. You can okay, say that well, about Joe Montana okay. with the 49ers. Okay. I mean, let, let, let's look at Brett Favre. The Packers were the best franchise before NFL started, before Brett Favre. Yeah, and so they, they, they were dead still for around. 40 years. They yeah, went in the hibernation. And look who replaced them, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Who's going to replace Drew Brees? Jameis Winston. He might be good, man. Oh, you come on. Uh, come on. Uh, he learned uh, for a year. We already know it. Taysom Hill can ball, so uh, 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 <laughs> Calm down, Casey. Um, well, I'll, I'll do mine here, but you guys took the good ones. I think those are the, the clearly the top two uh, most impactful for different reasons. One more for a, a team in a city and one also for a team um, – but also more so just establishing the precedent of free agency, like you mentioned, Casey. But I'll go with Deion Sanders um, for mm. both the 49ers and the Cowboys. You know, he signed a one-year deal in 1995 for $1 million. It's crazy looking at these contracts, by the way, from like way back then and just seeing the dollar amounts because it's just blown up astronomically, obviously, with inflation and stuff. It's more now than it was then, but still um, in general. So... He signed a one-year deal with the 49ers in 1995, um, $1 million. And um, and the following year, he signed a seven-year deal worth $25 million with the Cowboys. And he won a Super Bowl with both of these teams back-to-back. So he won when he signed that one-year deal with the 49ers. Um, and he helped Steve Young get there in 1995, won that Super Bowl. And then the next year, the Cowboys won their third Super Bowl in four years. So I think Dion Primetime Sanders is one of the best defenders as well in that conversation, at least in the secondary. And, um, you know, impactful. It, to the degree of the other two, I don't think so, but you guys took those, so this is mine. And uh, that's what I'm going to have to go with. I think he was, like, the most fun guy to track. Oh, he was he entertaining. Around. He was, yeah, he was a fun guy to watch, and he was with the Falcons. He was with a bunch of teams, and... You know, he was like the, the sort of the first flashy kind of DB that I remember mm-hmm. sort of yeah. being in the news and, and talking that trash and, and backing it up, too. So, yeah, he, he definitely we've seen in the last few years, like Darrell Rivas, Jalen Ramsey, Richard Sherman, quarterbacks, a lot of personality. They all act that way because of prime time. And none of them have even remotely the amount of swag that guy had. Uh, he played MLB baseball, too. There was a time mm-hmm. where he played a football game. The next day, he's playing MLB. So this guy was a baller, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, Niners fans love him, even though he played for one year because he was the defensive player of the year that year and absolutely turned that secondary around. Uh, he shut down with Andre Reid from the Falcons uh, right after he left them, so that was awesome. And with the Cowboys, of course, that sucks. We all hate them. But, <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, 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 I think Charles Woodson is the greatest defensive back of all time, but mm-hmm. Deion Sanders is the swaggiest and also the biggest name. Also doing swaggiest a great job. Swaggiest for sure. Let, let, let's give him some credit. He's now coaching at a uh, FCS, uh, HBCU, Jackson State, and they're yeah. 3-0. and 
So good for him. Good for him. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, let's wrap things up there. Unless you guys have any final thoughts here, we can uh, we can end on that note, the swaggiest of notes. Swaggiest notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm good to go. Good to go. Swagged out. All right. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us for episode 82. Make sure that you are tuned in for the next episode. We're going to dive into free agency. There's going to be a ton of interesting stuff, hopefully some exciting trades to review as well. Um, check out weeklysprawl.com to, to stay in the latest of all of the news and everything that is coming up here. Uh, before we head out, want to give my colleagues a chance to plug some content you should look out for. Casey mentioned something earlier, but I will let him kind of review that again and whatever else you should pay attention to. Casey, what do you got, man? Yeah, Mac Jones, if you want to know more about him, where he might slot in the draft, what his strengths and weaknesses are, it'll be on weeklyspiral.com or the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash weeklyspiral. Awesome. Durgan, what about you, man? Yes, so free agency preview and the uh, live tracker is already up. Uh, Patrick Sertan's scouting report will be out on Wednesday, and also I'll be dropping a mock draft post-free agency. First mock draft I'll ever do probably only one ever do in my life with trades so Ooh. look forward to that oh all right all right all right well this has been a weekly swap production bringing you fresh football every single week thank you again for sticking with us for episode 82 we are really excited this is when the off season starts to heat up with free agency leading into the draft um, so make sure you're here for episode 83 it's going to be a good one and uh, we will catch you all next week next week